What is up? Thanks for tuning in for today's hashtag and episode number two for 2023. We're going to be talking about the word promise. Um, But before we get into that, you guys know that we like to kind of just kick it, give you all the life updates of what's going on here in my world um, and just kind of play catch up, if you will. So before we get into today's episode, um, a lot has transitioned and happened Um, within the last, gosh, probably four or five weeks since we've done um, the last episode we did. And I got to tell you, I have been so crazy busy with things that have been going on in our world from being a mom, being a wife, um, involvement in my kids' schools, down to making sure that they have everything that they need with upcoming sports already just sounds crazy. And through the thick and thin of it all, I totally had a mom fail and dropped the ball on Valentine's Day. Me and my beefcake, we don't really like do valentine's day like we do but we don't we don't plan ahead and (laughs) and we're not really great and successful in this when it comes to our marriage even with like each other's birthdays we don't do the gifts cards usually anything like that and i don't know if it's because we've almost been together for two decades this year y'all 20 years i can't even believe that that i'm saying that i feel so old right now Um, but you know, we just, we don't get into it. And honestly, like neither one of us really invest and make time to purchase gifts and do that, um, within these last probably gosh, eight or nine years. Um, but we got so busy with what we were doing with everything with church planning and the ins and outs of everything that I knew Valentine's day was coming and approaching, but at the same time. I had gotten like our youngest who's in second grade, his class did the whole Valentine card things, but my older two could really care less about the whole Valentine party at school or getting cards for friends. Like they're just so over it. They didn't even care. So I knew Valentine's Day was coming, but just totally dropped the ball on it. It was the day before Valentine's Day. And I looked at my husband, I'm like, I've got to run out. School's about to let out in an hour. I have nothing for the kids for Valentine's Day. And I do try to make every holiday and birthday and whatever for them still special, regardless of their age. Like that is something that I still do. Um, And so anyway, I was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? So we ran to Target and of course, everything is sold out everywhere. Um, I'm not a last minute person. So I was completely like, upset and irritated with myself that I didn't plan ahead and make it super special like I always do from the breakfasts to the happies to you name it. I'm just like, what is happening? So um, anyway, trying not to get down on myself, but needless to say, like I totally disappointed our middle child with it because he just really felt like what is this? It's just a box of chocolates. It's not even the chocolates I like. And this little rinky dink $10 stuffed animal that I'm never going to sleep with. And, you know, so it just kept getting worse and worse by the day. 
Thankfully, my youngest and my oldest were still appreciative, still felt valued and loved and, you know, whatever. So um, it wasn't their best. They did say it wasn't our best that we did as Valentine's because, you know, they're kids and they're teens and they're comparing it to previous Valentine's and reminding you of how you went all out and they keep it all locked in their brains. And so I was like, dang, like we really dropped the ball on this. Um, so anyway, they ended up, you know, we ended up having a family dinner, um, that night in the house, picked up some Italian, sat down as a family kind of thing. And then, you know, everybody seemed to be pretty much golden, even our middle. He just loves out to eat. Like it's his favorite. Um, and even though we didn't go in the restaurant, he was still a little disappointed about that, but he was grateful that he didn't have to eat any of my cooking because it's not his favorite and he just hates eating at home. So yeah, so overall it was a win-win for the kiddos that day. And you know, life has just been so full of so much uh, growth and honest conversations and um, different emotions that we have experienced truly in the last four to five weeks. If I could write a book, which I'm going to do, I don't know when, but if I could write a book about so many different topics. My goodness. Um, I am an active journaler, so I try to write down my thoughts, what I'm experiencing, or kind of the update as I'm doing updates on podcasts. I write it down also in my journal. And it was so funny because uh, my husband, he literally was like one day, what are you writing in your journal? You look so intense over there. And we had had a couple, you know, um, conversations, those tough conversations that you have to have just about life and, you know, parenting and marriage and career and all the things, you know. And he was like, are you journaling that? And I was like, I mean, yes and no. And I was like, but you're not going to read my journal. So I'm not on the earth anymore. And he just looked at me like, wow, it's that bad in the journal, but it's not bad. It was just me expressing it on paper and expressing the growth and how I can navigate, uh, seasons better, I guess, and more effectively. And so, um, anyway, I ended up reading him out a few experts, uh, excerpts. I don't even know how you say that. Anyway, read him a few paragraphs out of the journal about what I was feeling and journaling. And, you know, I guess different things hit home differently for people too, but you know, it's eye opening and, I love to journal because it helps me express things and get it out there because for where I'm at in this season right now, and gosh, even in the last few seasons, I don't um, have people that I open up with and really talk to and vent and share things with like this. And so it was just like a me and God, here's what it is. Here's what, you know, I need your help with, you know. Um, that kind of thing. And then sharing that with my beefcake, it was just like, okay, you know, whoo, like we got this. Like, have you ever felt like that in these different seasons where, you know, God is with you, you know, you're not alone, but at the same time, you're like, I need some wisdom. I need some direction. I don't want to keep spinning my wheels. Like I need your grace. I need, I need so many things y'all from God in this season of life that I'm in. And it's good and it, it makes you better and it makes you more appreciative. I am so appreciative and so grateful for 
oh my gosh, so many little things that, you know, it's easy uh, to get sidetracked of the distractions when problems arise or situations arise. And I am learning to just take each day literally piece by piece. It's a waiting game. It's a waiting process right now um, for our family and in the process of waiting on certain things because we like to be the ones to be in control and control everything and you know just have all these things at our tips of our fingers to actually make it work and get it done in all areas of our life right now that we are waiting um and it's a process you know you have to humble yourself and just ask god that in the process of waiting i'm not just not sitting on my hands but i'm seeking after your counsel i'm seeking after your wisdom and direction so um that's a little bit about of updates of where we're going um actually today as i'm recording this right now i'm sitting in the house right now all by myself which is rare because me and beefcake work from home um, you know, which in 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 of itself is pretty spectacular and amazing uh, to work with your spouse together every single day, <laughs> uh, in and out. And your house is a house, but at the same time, it's your business. And when you're church planning, your home is a home, but it's got all the church stuff in it. And so it doesn't feel like a home because stuff and boxes are everywhere and new shipments are coming in every single day. And so you're like, wow. So we're being super uh, prayerful about some things um, to, you know, uh, get that kind of thing like transitioned, um, if you will, to make it more of a home where you can just chill and relax and there's no boxes everywhere. But, um, we are actually getting a long, huge, big trailer today because we've got to load in and load out and we've reached capacity in our vehicles. And so we are thankfully the Lord is faithful and he is good. Um, through all of our partners and people helping us out every single month where we are able to purchase a huge trailer for load in and load out to make it easier on us doing that and our launch team to do those things. Um, so that is currently happening today. Super excited about that and thankful um, that we are able to do that and get that rolling to accommodate things more successfully and more organized um, on the process of that on Sunday morning. So um, also we have transitioned um, in our family from Sunday night gatherings to Sunday morning gatherings, which was huge on our prayer list that we were believing for that we could uh, do that to have Sunday morning church every Sunday morning at the same location for over six months. So it's no longer looking for space here and there all over the place with times and locations. But God has been so good and so faithful to land us a space to do that where now we can really hit the ground running with supernatural growth um, within our church that we are planning. So with Story Church. So I am thankful for that. Um, you know, don't get in a rush of what God is asking you to do and where he's taking you. It is a waiting process. It is a lot of growth that happens and takes place. But whatever he's leading and calling you to do, trust him with the plan for your life. Trust him with the process. Um, and just have fun to the best of your ability while you're doing it, especially when it's something bigger than you and 
you know, you're just stepping out there in faith every single day. Um, and that's how you know you're doing what God is calling you to do. It's one of the ways is that you would never have jumped this up on your own and you cannot do it without God. Like you are totally having to depend on every single thing within your fiber on the Lord for what he's asking you to do and to accomplish what he wants to do in you and through you. So hallelujah, his mercies are new every single morning. (laughs) But I feel like that was like not really an update, but it was, but it wasn't, but it was like kind of getting, you know, preacher mode there. So anyway, um, I am going to warm my coffee up and we're going to dive into today's hashtag. So excited about this hashtag. Hashtag, I actually uh, preached this um, for our church a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I am totally sharing this on the podcast because, you know, some things hit differently and it's funny how they do that. But anyway, stay tuned, grab a cup of coffee, grab a friend, um, and just get ready to dive in within the next 20 to 30 minutes. I'll see you back here on Straight Talk with Hope. Welcome back, everybody, to Straight Talk with Hope. I am your podcast host, Hope Lamerson, and I am so glad that you are tuning in. Hey, I don't know how you found out about this podcast. Maybe you just ran across it. Maybe it was a God thing. Maybe a friend shared it or liked it, or you've been listening to a few episodes now and decided to hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes. Either way, thank you guys so much for tuning in, for being supportive. I hope that it ministers to you. It helps you become a better version of yourself as you are listening to the hashtags um, and the episodes that we do. Today, I have hashtagged this podcast. Um, I guess you could say it's one or two. It could be hashtag promise or it could be hashtag I promise. You know, we throw that phrase and that word around often. It's kind of like we throw the phrase around like, I love you. You know, we say those phrases, I love you. And then sometimes we just throw it out there like it doesn't really have power with the words, I guess. And the same thing is like true with the word promise or I promise. Have you ever had yourself where you had to do a favor for someone or someone caught you off guard and said, hey, I need your help with something. I need you to do A, B, and C for me. Or maybe you've gone to someone and you were like, dealing with something, struggling with something, whatever it may be. And you said, you know, you're having a conversation with them and you're like, hey, I need you to promise that you're going to help me with this or you're going to be there or whatever it may be. And we've all done this. Like people have said this to me, like, I need your help. I need a favor. I need you to promise me this. And we've done this also on the flip side. But what I've noticed about this word and when we say this is that a lot of times, one, we don't want to let people down, especially people that we love, we believe in, we feel connected to, you know, we feel like there's purpose with our lives and their lives. But at the same time, we get so distracted while we're talking. Maybe they ask us a favor or something in a text or an email, or maybe it is face-to-face, but we're really not dialed in and tuned in to what is being asked of us or even what we're asking them to do for us. 
And through that comes distractions. And it's basically when we're asked to do something or when we ask others to do us a favor or I promise you this, we throw that phrase out there. We don't hold up our end of the deal. We don't hold up our bargain. We just throw out random words and we don't follow through with it. Um, And then it's basically no longer a promise or a favor because while we're in the moment of reading the text or sending the email or responding too fast, we gave our yes when really we should have said no or let me get back with you. And so now the promise has become a pretend promise. It's basically become like just kidding. Like I told you I would do it. I told you I had your back or whatever it may be. But yeah, just kidding. I didn't know you were really wanting me to do that or say that or hold up my bargain of the deal. Or yeah, that's going to require more time than what I was allotted to help you or give you. Um, And so it's a pretend promise. And I've learned this over the course of lots and lots of years. Um, through different friendships and relationships, through marriage, but also through my parenting. Um, You know, I have learned that when my three boys come to me and ask me to do something, that I had better pay attention. I don't need distraction. I don't need things um, getting me all focused of what they're asking me to do for them, that I've got to make sure that I am giving my ear to exactly what they're asking me to do and paying attention to what I am saying out of my own mouth, but also what I'm agreeing to because it then becomes not a pretend promise or just kidding or is she going to do what she says she's going to do and follow through, but it now becomes a personal promise. And there's a difference between a pretend promise and a personal promise. Maybe you feel like this um, when you've said promises to others and you wanted to come through, but you, like I said, you couldn't hold up your end of the deal. And God has even spoken promises, even countless promises over our lives. If we take time to just look up that word promise in the Bible, you will see it's mentioned over and over and again, where God is making these promises to us, but they're not just promises. They're personal. He gets in our face with it. He's kind. He's loving with it. And he tells us promise after promise after promise about how he's not going to leave us, about how he's not going to fail us, about how he's a God of mercy, about how he's a God of healing and restoration and faithfulness and goodness and all these things. He makes his promises, y'all, but he keeps them. He's not saying, I'm saying this without paying attention and I'm going to fail you. Just kidding. You know, can you imagine? I cannot imagine That if in my conversation with God, why I'm talking to him, and while I think I can depend on him, that he tells me he's going to promise, and then later on he's like, no, just kidding, it was a pretend promise. No, God is not like that. When he communicates to us and speaks to us, he is dialed in. He is paying attention to every request, everything we're saying, everything we need in our life, and he says, I promise I promise I'm going to lead you down the right path. I promise I'm going to sit closer than a brother. I promise that I will bring healing and restoration to your relationships, whatever it may be. 
And I love this because many of us in our lives, we feel like we have a dream. We feel like God's called us to something more than what we're doing. And maybe you're at a season in your life right now where you feel like you've seen God's faithfulness, you've seen his goodness, but at the same time, there are some things that maybe you feel like you haven't stepped into. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's transitioning to a new state. Maybe it's uh, going to another country. Maybe it's even uh, starting this new career path for your life. Or you know, maybe it's just making small changes here and there, whatever it may be, but God has shown you in your heart and made these promises to you that he says, I want you to fulfill. I want you to accomplish this. And I'm going to see that it's going to happen, but you have to do some things as well. And so when he speaks these promises to us and for us through the word of God, but also some dreams in our hearts, He's getting personal with us. He's saying, don't forget about it. He's saying like, I've seen this about your life and I want you to fulfill and accomplish it. And so I need you to keep it before you. I need you to write it down. I need you to see that I am speaking to you, but I need you to pay attention. And he does this with several people in the Bible. But what I want to talk about today um, a little bit is this, is, a, is Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah, first their names are changed. They're Abram and they're Sarai. And he changes their names. And God does this a lot with changing people's names, which is a whole nother episode. But anyway, he makes this promise to Abraham. He brings him out in this field at night. They're laying in the cool of the grass. They look up at the stars in the sky. And he tells Abraham, hey, I want you to pay attention to the sky. Abraham, I want you to count all the stars. How many stars do you see, Abraham? And he tells him, I will bless you. I promise you, I will bless you and your kids and their kids and their descendants to come. You will be a father of not one nation of one child, but a father of many nations. And I will bless you. And then he goes on to even uh, extend this promise. And he says this, that he would have him um, have a son through his wife, Sarah, Genesis 17, 6, 6, Genesis 17, 16 says this, that it's not going to come any other way, but I will give you a son through your wife, Sarah. And so he tells Abraham this, right? He gets personal with Abraham and tells him this great promise. And right, it sounds exciting. It sounds big. It sounds like, wow, God would ask me and give me to do this. Like, right? That's a lot of us. God gives us a, a promise or he gives us a dream or a goal or a desire, or we're starting to figure out really what we're supposed to do with our lives and we're called to. And we're like, can't wait to do this. It's awesome. <laughs> but I want to tell you that with the promises, there are problems. Okay. I know you can't get excited about that. Me either. But with promises, there are setbacks. There are challenges. There are disappointments. There are failures. There are problems. But it doesn't mean that we have to give up on the promise or doubt the promise or even doubt what God says because God does not give us a just kidding, pretend promise. He gives us personal promises. And so after God comes to Abraham and he tells him this amazing promise that he has for his life, his family's life, the direction they're going, a problem arises. And the problem is that Sarah isn't getting pregnant. And not only is Sarah not getting pregnant, after God said he would give him a son through Sarah. Um, but he tells him, he says, you know, it's not happening uh, fast enough for Abraham. 
So not only is Sarah not getting pregnant, she's not getting fast enough according to their time frame. And can I just say this, like a lot of times we know what God's promise is to us. We know what he said, but we get tired of waiting on the promise. We know what God says. We know what he wants to do, but we get tired of waiting. And so rather than waiting on the promise, we rush the promise. And when we rush the promise, it gives birth to something that didn't even come from God and his timing. Now, thankfully, a lot of times through our screw-ups and setbacks and failures, God's mercy is still there and he can still bless the plan and still the promise can come to pass. It just may take a little longer because of a dumb choice we made or because we try to push our own process or entitlement or whatever it may be. And so here, rather than waiting on the promise, the personal promise that God had for Abraham and Sarah, they rushed the promise because the child didn't come from Sarah. The child came from Hagar because it was Sarah's idea. Hey, go and sleep with my handmaiden, like sleep with the maid. Like it's perfect, right? Like we'll produce a child and, and yeah, they produced a child, but guess what? It wasn't the personal promise child. Even so much so that Abraham goes back to God and is like, can't you still bless Ishmael? Can't you still have, you know, all these things that you said over my life and the promise that you told me, can't you still do it through Ishmael? I know we made a mistake. I know we did this, but God, where's the promise? And God comes back to him and he says, no, I I can bless Ishmael and his mercy is there. And I'll even make Ishmael um, a great ruler. Even he appointed 12 rulers to help Ishmael do what God was calling him to do. But the true promise, the fulfillment of the entire full promise was coming through Isaac, through Sarah and Abraham being together as one doing this and not through an Ishmael. That will just straight up preach right there. But I want to read this because one thing that I have seen this um, when it comes to promises is that you better make sure that, and I better make sure, we all better make sure that we are anchored into the right things. We have our trust that when God speaks these promises over us and disappointment comes, setbacks come, heartache comes, all these things come, that we have to know, one, not only who God is and who we are, but we have to know what we're anchored in. And Abraham knew that. He knew it so much that in Hebrews, uh, first God is talking in Genesis to the promise of this of Abraham in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, but then skips over all the way into the New Testament in Hebrews. And he says this in Hebrews 6, 13 through 19. It says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath. So what is he doing? He's making a personal promise. He's giving him an oath by himself since he had no one greater to swear by saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited. So this is after the fact that Ishmael has born and Isaac is going to come through through Sarah. It says that Abraham received the full promise, the personal promise, because he patiently waited. Another translation in the word of God says that he endured. Can I just say, not only are we going to have to wait on the promise, we're going to have to endure. We're going to have to wait patiently and we're going to have to make sure that we're enduring exactly how we need to endure through the promise uh, of waiting. But he also says this, as Abraham waited patiently and endured, in, in verse 15, it still says, he realized and he obtained. He obtained the promise because he waited and he endured. 
And it says, Indeed, men swear by oath and no one greater than themselves that the oath serves as a confirmation of what has been said at the end of the dispute. Verse 17, in the same way, God in his desire is to show the heirs of the promise and unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed with his oath, so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, it which is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to him for refuge would have a strong encouragement and dwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope that is set before us. This hope is a confidence insurance. We have an anchor to the soul that it cannot slip, it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. I want to stop right there. We all have pressures. We all have these things that come up in life when we're trying to hold on to the promise of God. When we're trying to see his faithfulness, when we're trying to see his goodness. But at the same time, not only did Abraham have to wait and endure so he could obtain the promise, he had to know where his anchor was. He had to know and hold on tightly to what God said because God is not a liar. He's not making pretend promises and saying, just kidding, or good luck if it ever happens. No, he's saying, I've already gone before you in your future. I've already laid down what I've seen you to accomplish with your life. And it's gonna take patience. It's gonna take endurance. It's gonna take all these things that I'm asking you to do and do it wholeheartedly. And I want you to reach the fullness of it, but you cannot unless you know who your anchor is. You you cannot give up under pressure or say it's too hard or difficult because the enemy is a lie. He is a thief and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy however he can from you and your family and your calling and their future and your future and all your descendants' future, basically. And he will do whatever he can so that you won't fulfill and walk in the fullness of your life, what God intended it to look like and be like and created you for. And we have to know that through the pressure that my anchor is deep and rooted in God, that he does not lie. He will not fail me. And so in the process of these promises, curveballs happen. I keep throwing all these words because when I was preaching this to Story Church, I was like setbacks, failures, hardships, you know, all these different things, curveballs, um, you know, but I noticed something. I noticed something that when God speaks these promises to our hearts, that there are what I call the three D's that we find ourselves maybe in different seasons of life as we're living out this promise. The first one is this, drift. When God speaks a promise to my life or to my heart or to your heart, do I drift? Do I drift away from the promise and start drifting towards the problem, right? Because we're all going to have problems even though we've been promised things. Do I drift towards the problem? The second thing is this, is do I doubt Do I doubt and pretend that I believe the promise, but really there's a chance that it probably won't happen? And you can say this all day long, whether you're a Christian or a believer or know God or not. I mean, we've all been there where God has spoken a promise over our hearts, but like it seems so impossible and so big and so scary, or it still hasn't happened. And we're like, what the blank? I mean, seriously, like we're like, okay, God, I'm pretending like I believe you, but deep down I'm scared out of my mind and deep down I'm starting to doubt. 
you and your word and question things because of outward circumstances. So I don't even know really if this promise is going to come to pass, but I'm still going to fake it till I make it or whatever you want to say. And so we doubt. Friend, we cannot doubt. We cannot afford our lives to drift to the problem over the promise. And we cannot afford our lives to doubt and pretend like God was just kidding with us. We have to make sure that we do this, that we dwell, that we dwell on the promise of God, that we meditate on the word day and night, that we get around the right conversations, the right positive people, that we get around God's word and we remind ourselves over and over that we're anchored deep in the word of God and we begin to dwell on the promise. I love this because when I was reading this in the word of God about Abraham and Sarah and in Genesis and in Hebrews, because it goes back and forth about how when God made the promise to Abraham, he didn't just make it to Abraham, but he also made it to Sarah. It wasn't just like, Abraham, here's the promise. Now go and communicate it to your best friend, your better half, the other one who you do life with. Like, no, he was like, Abraham, this is a personal promise to you, but he also made it personal to Sarah. And we know this because in Genesis 18, uh, verse 9 through 15, God is speaking to Abraham in a tent and he's asking Abraham where Sarah is. Well, that's dumb because God already knows where Sarah is and he, he even knows every thoughts that you think. Even if you don't verse your thoughts, he still sees it and knows all your thoughts. And so he's having this conversation with Abraham. He's reminding Abraham once again of the promise. And in the process of this, so Isaac, Ishmael has already come to pass, but Isaac is not there yet. And so God is speaking this personal promise to Abraham, but he also begins to get personal with Sarah. And we know this because once Sarah saw the promise wasn't coming to pass after Abraham told her this, it says that she rushed it, the promise, by telling her maid, obviously, to sleep with her husband to produce a child. And it wasn't one of those situations where he says, God said this, and now we're going to do this. Like It seemed like that at first, but then in Genesis 18, God gets personal with Sarah. And she she finds herself in this situation where she's outside the tent. She's hearing God speak to Abraham and, again, remind him of the promise and it says that she became afraid, that she laughed. But before we get into that, I, wanna, I wanted to make mention of this, is that before this even happens with her getting personal with God outside of the tent, hearing him speak, Sarah drifted because of fear. When God spoke the, the personal promise to Abraham, she began to drift because she was afraid. And we know this because after she got the handmaid to sleep with uh, Abraham, it says that shortly after that, she became jealous because the handmaid actually produced the child, the very thing that she wanted, the very thing that God promised her, someone else has it, and she becomes jealous. So much shows she becomes jealous, she freaking banishes the handmaid and is like, I'm done with you, girl, and banishes her out to the wilderness while she's pregnant. I mean, that is serious. And basically is like, I should have never done this, said this, but now you're not going to stay around us or work for us. Good luck with you and your child. Like she is jealous. She is hating on this, on the handmaiden. Like she is mad at Hagar. 
And so now she looks at Hagar as, oh, you're a threat and you're a problem and I can't have you around here and, and all this kind of stuff. And so Sarah's jealousy of Hagar causes her to drift because she's afraid. She is afraid and now she's walking in the problem rather than promise. And God gets personal with Sarah. Like, you know the story, like Ishmael, God blesses Ishmael. He blesses Hagar. He brings Hagar back. He takes care of her. He takes care of Ishmael. He's good to them and all this. I mean, there's so much in just in Hagar's story. But God got personal with Sarah in the tent. And she overhears God talking to uh, Abraham, reminding him of the promise that she would bear a son. He's like, dude, I know that she is 90 and you are 100 and your body doesn't work the same or look the same and it's jacked up in all these places, but he's like, you're still going to bear a son. And Sarah is like, yeah, right. So much so she laughs. She laughs because she's not only drifted from the promise, but now she's doubting the promise because she's saying, yeah, it'll never happen. I know you said it'll happen, but you were just kidding God because do you see how my body looks? Do you know that girls cannot be consuming a baby like this because their bodies are basically not working? And without getting into any graphic detail, like you can just imagine a 90-year-old woman and God is saying, yeah, you're going to have a baby, right? She doubted God based on her age, her body, and then she denied the promise and basically was like, I no longer believe what God says. So much so in Genesis 18, 14, he hears her thoughts. She doesn't even say it. Abraham doesn't even know Sarah is eavesdropping, if you will, behind the tent. And he basically, God says out loud to Sarah because he hears her doubts. He hears and sees her thoughts that she's doubting God, and he says to her, is anything impossible, Sarah? Is anything impossible for the Lord? I'm reminding you that I got personal with you. I'm reminding you about the promise that I have for your life, and even though you doubt it, and even though you denied it, and even though you drifted from the problem, he's telling her, is anything impossible? Because I still believe the promise. And I wasn't just throwing a promise out there to say, good luck, see if it happens, step out and see if it happens, or all these things, you know, is it a pretend promise? No, he's like, when I speak, you better recognize that I speak and recognize that I am not a liar and I want what's best for you in your life. So you need to pay attention and listen up. And so when I speak, know that I am not changing my mind about it. This is what it is. And he tells her this, nothing is impossible. And Sarah had this revelation that even Abraham comes back to her and is like, did you laugh? And she not only denies it, she lies and says, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't laugh. And Abraham's like, yes, you did. I heard you. God heard you. And you laughed because you were afraid. You were afraid that God was actually going to do what he said. You were afraid that the dream was so big, even though you wanted it to happen, that God would actually come to his word and keep his word to you over the promise that he said. But because you hadn't seen it happen in your time and you're basing your situation on your age and your body and your outward appearances, that you begin to laugh about it and deny it, that God would not do what he said he would do. Friends, God is not a liar, and his word is not a liar. 
And the plan and the purpose and the promise that he has over for life is worth waiting for. It's worth patiently enduring for. It's worth not drifting towards the problem. It's worth not doubting it and denying it, but it's worth dwelling on it. It's worth staying the course. Why? He's already gone before you in your future. Is your anchor safe and secure and steadfast? That when pressure comes, you know where your anchor is. You know who your God is. And Sarah had to make a choice. So much so that in Hebrews chapter 11, the entire chapter is about men and women of God who made these choices and why their faith was so strong and grew about what God was asking them to do. It remembers Sarah as a woman who dwelled on the personal promise of God. She made a choice that she was going to dwell that what God said, she wouldn't drift towards the problem and walk away from the promise and that she would not doubt what God said and she would hold on to the promise by dwelling in the promise of God. The only guarantee that Sarah had that this promise was going to happen was Jesus. Because he is who he says he is. And he keeps his word. And his word cannot lie. And if God says it and I believe it, then I have to remind myself that I will dwell there. That my thoughts will dwell there. That my words will dwell there. My conversations will dwell there. That I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what others say. I'm not moved by problems and setbacks and curveballs and disappointments and failures and all these other things. I'm moved by what God's word says. And I believe who God is and I believe what God's word says. So I will endure and I will endure patiently through the process, through the waiting, so that I can obtain and walk in the fullness that God has for my life because God makes promises and keeps them. Welcome back everybody to Straight Talk with Hope. I am your podcast host, Hope Lamerson, and I am so glad that you are tuning in. Hey, I don't know how you found out about this podcast. Maybe you just ran across it. Maybe it was a God thing. Maybe a friend shared it or liked it, or you've been listening to a few episodes now and decided to hit the subscribe button on Apple iTunes. Either way, thank you guys so much for tuning in, for being supportive. I hope that it ministers to you. It helps you become a better version of yourself as you are listening to the hashtags um, and the episodes that we do. Today, I have hashtagged this podcast. Um, I guess you could say it's one or two. It could be hashtag promise or it could be hashtag I promise. You know, we throw that phrase and that word around often. It's kind of like we throw the phrase around like, I love you. You know, we say those phrases, I love you. And then sometimes we just throw it out there like it doesn't really have power with the words, I guess. And the same thing is like true with the word promise or I promise. Have you ever had yourself where you had to do a favor for someone or someone caught you off guard and said, hey, I need your help with something. I need you to do A, B, and C for me. Or maybe you've gone to someone and you were like, 
dealing with something, struggling with something, whatever it may be, and you said, you know, you're having a conversation with them and you're like, hey, I need you to promise that you're going to help me with this or you're going to be there or whatever it may be. And we've all done this. Like people have said this to me, like, I need your help. I need a favor. I need you to promise me this. And we've done this also on the flip side. But what I've noticed about this word and when we say this is that a lot of times, one, we don't want to let people down, especially people that we love, we believe in, we feel connected to, you know, we feel like there's purpose with our lives and their lives. But at the same time, we get so distracted while we're talking. Maybe they ask us a favor or something in a text or an email, or maybe it is face to face, but we're really not dialed in and tuned in to what is being asked of us or even what we're asking them to do for us. And through that comes distractions. And it's basically when we're asked to do something or when we ask others to do us a favor or I promise you this, we throw that phrase out there. We don't hold up our end of the deal. We don't hold up our bargain. We just throw out random words and we don't follow through with it. Um, And then it's basically no longer a promise or a favor Because while we're in the moment of reading the text or sending the email or responding too fast, we gave our yes when really we should have said no or let me get back with you. And so now the promise has become a pretend promise. It's basically become like just kidding. Like I told you I would do it. I told you I had your back or whatever it may be. But yeah, just kidding. I didn't know you were really wanting me to do that or say that or hold up my bargain of the deal or yeah, that's going to require more time than what I was allotted to help you or give you. Um, And so it's a pretend promise. And I've learned this over the course of lots and lots of years um, through different friendships and relationships, through marriage, but also through my parenting. Um, You know, I have learned that when my three boys come to me and ask me to do something, that I had better pay attention. I don't need distraction. I don't need things um, getting me all focused of what they're asking me to do for them, that I've got to make sure that I am giving my ear to exactly what they're asking me to do and paying attention to what I am saying out of my own mouth, but also what I'm agreeing to because it then becomes not a pretend promise or just kidding or is she gonna do what she says she's gonna do and follow through? But it now becomes a personal promise. And there's a difference between a pretend promise and a personal promise. Maybe you feel like this um, when you've said promises to others and you want it to come through, but you, like I said, you couldn't hold up your end of the deal. And God has even spoken promises, even countless promises, Over our lives, if we take time to just look up that word promise in the Bible, you will see it's mentioned over and over and again where God is making these promises to us, but they're not just promises, they're personal. He gets in our face with it, he's kind, he's loving with it, and he tells us promise after promise after promise about how he's not going to leave us, about how he's not going to fail us, about how he's a God of mercy, about how he's a God of healing and restoration and faithfulness and goodness and all these things. He makes his promises, y'all, but he keeps them. He's not saying, I'm saying this without paying attention and I'm going to fail you. Just kidding. You know, can you imagine? I cannot imagine 
that if in my conversation with God, why I'm talking to him, and while I think I can depend on him, that he tells me he's going to promise. And then later on, he's like, no, just kidding. It was a pretend promise. No, God is not like that. When he communicates to us and speaks to us, he is dialed in. He is paying attention to every request, everything we're saying, everything we need in our life. And he says, I promise I promise I'm going to lead you down the right path. I promise I'm going to sit closer than a brother. I promise that I will bring healing and restoration to your relationships, whatever it may be. And I love this because many of us in our lives, we feel like we have a dream. We feel like God's called us to something more than what we're doing. And maybe you're at a season in your life right now where you feel like you've seen God's faithfulness, you've seen his goodness, but at the same time, there are some things that maybe you feel like you haven't stepped into. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's transitioning to a new state. Maybe it's uh, going to another country. Maybe it's even uh, starting this new career path for your life. Or you know, maybe it's just making small changes here and there, whatever it may be, but God has shown you in your heart and made these promises to you that he says, I want you to fulfill. I want you to accomplish this and I'm going to see that it's going to happen, but you have to do some things as well. And so when he speaks these promises to us and for us through the word of God, but also some dreams in our hearts, He's getting personal with us. He's saying, don't forget about it. He's saying like, I've seen this about your life and I want you to fulfill and accomplish it. And so I need you to keep it before you. I need you to write it down. I need you to see that I am speaking to you, but I need you to pay attention. And he does this with several people in the Bible. But what I want to talk about today um, a little bit is this, is, a, is Abraham and Sarah. So Abraham and Sarah, first their names are changed. They're Abram and they're Sarai. And he changes their names. And God does this a lot with changing people's names, which is a whole nother episode. But anyway, he makes this promise to Abraham. He brings him out in this field at night. They're laying in the cool of the grass. They look up at the stars in the sky. And he tells Abraham, hey, I want you to pay attention to the sky. Abraham, I want you to count all the stars. How many stars do you see, Abraham? And he tells him, I will bless you. I promise you, I will bless you and your kids and their kids and their descendants to come. You will be a father of not one nation of one child, but a father of many nations and I will bless you. And then he goes on to even uh, extend this promise. And he says this, that he would have him um, have a son through his wife, Sarah. Genesis 17, 6, 6, Genesis 17, 16 says this, that it's not going to come any other way, but I will give you a son through your wife, Sarah. And so he tells Abraham this, right? He gets personal with Abraham and tells him this great promise. And right, it sounds exciting. It sounds big. It sounds like, wow, God would ask me and give me to do this. Like, right? That's a lot of us. God gives us a, a promise or he gives us a dream or a goal or a desire, or we're starting to figure out really what we're supposed to do with our lives and we're called to. And we're like, can't wait to do this. It's awesome. <laughs> but I want to tell you that with the promises, there are problems. Okay. I know you can't get excited about that. Me either. But with promises, there are setbacks. There are challenges. There are disappointments. There are failures. 
there are problems, but it doesn't mean that we have to give up on the promise or doubt the promise or even doubt what God says because God does not give us a just kidding pretend promise. He gives us personal promises. And so after God comes to Abraham and he tells him this amazing promise that he has for his life, his family's life, the direction they're going, a problem arises. And the problem is that Sarah isn't getting pregnant. And not only is Sarah not getting pregnant after God said he would give him a son through Sarah, um, but he tells him, he says, you know, it's not happening uh, fast enough for Abraham. So not only is Sarah not getting pregnant, she's not getting fast enough according to their time frame. And can I just say this? Like a lot of times we know what God's promise is to us. We know what he said, but we get tired of waiting on the promise. We know what God says. We know what he wants to do, but we get tired of waiting. And so rather than waiting on the promise, we rush the promise. And when we rush the promise, it gives birth to something that didn't even come from God and his timing. Now, thankfully, a lot of times through our screw ups and setbacks and failures, God's mercy is still there and he can still bless the plan and still the promise can come to pass. It just may take a little longer because of a dumb choice we made or because we try to push our own process or entitlement or whatever it may be. And so here, rather than waiting on the promise, the personal promise that God had for Abraham and Sarah, they rushed the promise because the child didn't come from Sarah. The child came from Hagar because it was Sarah's idea. Hey, go and sleep with my handmaiden, like sleep with the maid, like it's perfect, right? Like we'll produce a child and, and yeah, they produced a child, but guess what? It wasn't the personal promise child. Even so much so that Abraham goes back to God and is like, can't you still bless Ishmael? Can't you still have, you know, all these things that you said over my life and the promise that you told me, can't you still do it through Ishmael? I know we made a mistake. I know we did this, but God, where's the promise? And God comes back to him and he says, no, I I can bless Ishmael and his mercy is there. And I'll even make Ishmael um, a great ruler. Even he appointed 12 rulers to help Ishmael do what God was calling him to do. But the true promise, the fulfillment of the entire full promise was coming through Isaac, through Sarah and Abraham being together as one doing this and not through an Ishmael. That will just straight up preach right there. But I want to read this because one thing that I have seen this um, when it comes to promises is that you better make sure that and I better make sure we all better make sure that we are anchored into the right things. We have our trust that when God speaks these promises over us and disappointment comes, setbacks come, heartache comes, all these things come, that we have to know, one, not only who God is and who we are, but we have to know what we're anchored in. And Abraham knew that. He knew it so much that in Hebrews, uh, first God is talking in Genesis to the promise of this of Abraham in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, but then skips over all the way into the New Testament in Hebrews. And he says this in Hebrews 6, 13 through 19. It says, for when God made the promise to Abraham, he swore an oath. So what is he doing? He's making a personal promise. He's giving him an oath by himself since he had no one greater to swear by saying i will surely bless you and i will surely multiply you and so having patiently waited so this is after the fact that ishmael has born 
and Isaac is going to come through through Sarah, it says that Abraham received the full promise, the personal promise, because he patiently waited. Another translation in the Word of God says that he endured. Can I just say, not only are we going to have to wait on the promise, we're going to have to endure. We're going to have to wait patiently, and we're going to have to make sure that we're enduring exactly how we need to endure through the promise uh, of waiting. But he also says this, as Abraham waited patiently and endured, in, in verse 15, it still says, he realized and he obtained. He obtained the promise because he waited and he endured. And it says, indeed, men swear by oath and no one greater than themselves that the oath serves as a confirmation of what has been said at the end of the dispute. Verse 17, in the same way, God in his desire is to show the heirs of the promise and unchangeable nature of his purpose, intervened and guaranteed with his oath, so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, it which is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to him for refuge would have a strong encouragement and dwelling strength to hold tightly to the hope that is set before us. This hope is a confidence insurance. We have an anchor to the soul that it cannot slip, it cannot break down under whatever pressure bears upon it. I want to stop right there. We all have pressures. We all have these things that come up in life when we're trying to hold on to the promise of God. When we're trying to see his faithfulness, when we're trying to see his goodness. But at the same time, not only did Abraham have to wait and endure so he could obtain the promise, he had to know where his anchor was. He had to know and hold on tightly to what God said because God is not a liar. He's not making pretend promises and saying, just kidding, or good luck if it ever happens. No, he's saying, I've already gone before you in your future. I've already laid down what I've seen you to accomplish with your life. And it's going to take patience. It's going to take endurance. It's going to take all these things that I'm asking you to do and do it wholeheartedly. And I want you to reach the fullness of it. But you cannot unless you know who your anchor is. You, you cannot give up under pressure or say it's too hard or difficult because the enemy is a lie. He is a thief and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy however he can from you and your family and your colleague and their future and your future and all your descendants' future, basically. And he will do whatever he can so that you won't fulfill and walk in the fullness of your life, what God intended it to look like and be like and created you for. And we have to know that through the pressure that my anchor is deep and rooted in God, that he does not lie. He will not fail me. And so in the process of these promises, curveballs happen. I keep throwing all these words because when I was preaching this to Story Church, I was like setbacks, failures, hardships, you know, all these different things, curveballs, um, you know, but I noticed something. I noticed something that when God speaks these promises to our hearts, that there are what I call the three D's that we find ourselves maybe in different seasons of life as we're living out this promise. The first one is this, drift. When God speaks a promise to my life or to my heart or to your heart, do I drift? Do I drift away from the promise and start drifting towards the problem, right? Because we're all going to have problems even though we've been promised things. Do I drift towards the problem? The second thing is this, is do I doubt? 
Do I doubt and pretend that I believe the promise, but really there's a chance that it probably won't happen? And you can say this all day long, whether you're a Christian or a believer or know God or not. I mean, we've all been there where God has spoken a promise over our hearts, but like it seems so impossible and so big and so scary, or it still hasn't happened. And we're like, what the blank? I mean, seriously, like we're like, okay, God, I'm pretending like I believe you, but deep down, I'm scared out of my mind. And deep down, I'm starting to doubt you and your word and question things because of outward circumstances. So I don't even know really if this promise is going to come to pass, but I'm still going to fake it till I make it or whatever you want to say. And so we doubt. Friend, we cannot doubt. We cannot afford our lives to drift to the problem over the promise. And we cannot afford our lives to doubt and pretend like God was just kidding with us. We have to make sure that we do this, that we dwell, that we dwell on the promise of God, that we meditate on the word day and night, that we get around the right conversations, the right positive people, that we get around God's word and we remind ourselves over and over that we're anchored deep in the word of God and we begin to dwell on the promise. I love this because when I was reading this in the word of God about Abraham and Sarah and in Genesis and in Hebrews, because it goes back and forth about how when God made the promise to Abraham, he didn't just make it to Abraham, but he also made it to Sarah. It wasn't just like, Abraham, here's the promise. Now go and communicate it to your best friend, your better half, the other one who you do life with. Like, no, he was like, Abraham, this is a personal promise to you, but he also made it personal to Sarah. And we know this because in Genesis 18, uh, verse 9 through 15, God is speaking to Abraham in a tent and he's asking Abraham where Sarah is. Well, that's dumb because God already knows where Sarah is and he, he even knows every thoughts that you think. Even if you don't verse your thoughts, he still sees it and knows all your thoughts. And so he's having this conversation with Abraham. He's reminding Abraham once again of the promise. And in the process of this, so Isaac, Ishmael has already come to pass, but Isaac is not there yet. And so God is speaking this personal promise to Abraham, but he also begins to get personal with Sarah. And we know this because once Sarah saw the promise wasn't coming to pass after Abraham told her this, it says that she rushed it, the promise, by telling her maid, obviously, to sleep with her husband to produce a child. And it wasn't one of those situations where he says, God said this, and now we're going to do this. Like, it seemed like that at first, but then in Genesis 18, God gets personal with Sarah. And she she finds herself in this situation where she's outside the tent. She's hearing God speak to Abraham and, again, remind him of the promise and it says that she became afraid, that she laughed. But before we get into that, I, wanna, I wanted to make mention of this, is that before this even happens with her getting personal with God outside of the tent, hearing him speak, Sarah drifted because of fear. When God spoke the, the personal promise to Abraham, she began to drift because she was afraid. 
And we know this because after she got the handmaid to sleep with uh, Abraham, it says that shortly after that, she became jealous because the handmaid actually produced the child, the very thing that she wanted, the very thing that God promised her, someone else has it, and she becomes jealous. So much shows she becomes jealous, she freaking banishes the handmaid and is like, I'm done with you, girl, and banishes her out to the wilderness while she's pregnant. I mean, that is serious. And basically is like, I should have never done this, said this, but now you're not going to stay around us or work for us. Good luck with you and your child. Like she is jealous. She is hating on this, on the handmaiden. Like she is mad at Hagar. And so now she looks at Hagar as, oh, you're a threat and you're a problem. And I can't have you around here and, and all this kind of stuff. And so Sarah's jealousy of Hagar causes her to drift because she's afraid. She is afraid and now she's walking in the problem rather than promise. And God gets personal with Sarah. Like, you know the story, like Ishmael, God blesses Ishmael. He blesses Hagar. He brings Hagar back. He takes care of her. He takes care of Ishmael. He's good to them and all this. I mean, there's so much in just in Hagar's story. But God got personal with Sarah in the tent. And she overhears God talking to uh, Abraham, reminding him of the promise that she would bear a son. He's like, dude, I know that she is 90 and you are 100 and your body doesn't work the same or look the same and it's jacked up in all these places, but he's like, you're still going to bear a son. And Sarah is like, yeah, right. So much so she laughs. She laughs because she's not only drifted from the promise, but now she's doubting the promise because she's saying, yeah, it'll never happen. I know you said it'll happen, but you were just kidding God because do you see how my body looks? Do you know that girls cannot be consuming a baby like this because their bodies are basically not working? And without getting into any graphic detail, like you can just imagine a 90-year-old woman and God is saying, yeah, you're going to have a baby, right? She doubted God based on her age, her body, and then she denied the promise and basically was like, I no longer believe what God says. So much so in Genesis 18, 14, he hears her thoughts. She doesn't even say it. Abraham doesn't even know Sarah is eavesdropping, if you will, behind the tent. And he basically, God says out loud to Sarah because he hears her doubts. He hears and sees her thoughts that she's doubting God. And he says to her, is anything impossible, Sarah? Is anything impossible for the Lord? I'm reminding you that I got personal with you. I'm reminding you about the promise that I have for your life. And even though you doubt it, and even though you denied it, and even though you drifted from the problem, he's telling her, is anything impossible? Because I still believe the promise. And I wasn't just throwing a promise out there to say, good luck, see if it happens, step out and see if it happens, or all these things, you know, is it a pretend promise? No, he's like, when I speak, you better recognize that I speak and recognize that I am not a liar and I want what's best for you in your life. So you need to pay attention and listen up. And so when I speak, know that I am not changing my mind about it. This is what it is. And he tells her this, nothing is impossible. And Sarah had this revelation that even Abraham comes back to her and is like, did you laugh? And she not only denies it, she lies and says, uh, no, I did it. I didn't laugh. And Abraham's like, yes, you did. I heard you. God heard you. And you laughed because you were afraid. You were afraid that God was actually going to do what he said. 
You were afraid that the dream was so big, even though you wanted it to happen, that God would actually come to his word and keep his word to you over the promise that he said. But because you hadn't seen it happen in your time and you're basing your situation on your age and your body and your outward appearances, that you began to laugh about it and deny it, that God would not do what he said he would do. Friends, God is not a liar and his word is not a liar. And the plan and the purpose and the promise that he has over for life is worth waiting for. It's worth patiently enduring for. It's worth not drifting towards the problem. It's worth not doubting it and denying it, but it's worth dwelling on it. It's worth staying the course. Why? He's already gone before you in your future is your anchor safe and secure and steadfast that when pressure comes you know where your anchor is you know who your God is and Sarah had to make a choice so much so that in Hebrews chapter 11 the entire chapter is about men and women of God who made these choices and why their faith was so strong and grew about what God was asking them to do It remembers Sarah as a woman who dwelled on the personal promise of God. She made a choice that she was going to dwell that what God said, she wouldn't drift towards the problem and walk away from the promise and that she would not doubt what God said and she would hold on to the promise by dwelling in the promise of God. The only guarantee that Sarah had that this promise was going to happen was Jesus. Because he is who he says he is. And he keeps his word. And his word cannot lie. And if God says it, and I believe it, then I have to remind myself that I will dwell there. That my thoughts will dwell there. That my words will dwell there. My conversations will dwell there that I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what others say. I'm not moved by problems and setbacks and curveballs and disappointments and failures and all these other things. I'm moved by what God's word says and I believe who God is and I believe what God's word says. So I will endure and I will endure patiently through the process, through the waiting so that I can obtain and walk in the fullness that God has for my life because God makes promises and keeps them. Mic drop. I'm done. Read it in Hebrews. Read it in Genesis. Whatever promise God has spoken over your life, your marriage, your friendships, your relationships, your career, your finances, your health, God is ready and willing and able to move and work and turn every situation around that has been hard or difficult or whatever it may be in. He's able to turn anything and everything around to work it out for your good so that you can walk in the fullness of God's promise over your life. You just have to dwell on the right things, dwell and speak the right things over your life in the promise of God because he cares for you, he loves you, he believes in you. It's not too late. 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter how many times you failed. His mercies are new every day. His strength is there for you every day. In your weaknesses, he is strong. He sticks closer than a brother. He says you don't have to be without. He says he's gone before you in your future. And the promises go on and on and on and on. And pick yourself up off that floor and run towards the direction that God has for you with hope in front of your future, confidence in front of your eyes and say, God, you said this over me. So I'm going to choose to believe it and dwell in it and walk in everything that you have in store for me and my family. Guys, I hope that this has strengthened you. I hope that this has brought life and healing and restoration and lit a fire under your bones so that you can fulfill all that God has for you. And anytime you feel tempted to doubt it, to not believe it, to have a setback or give up and quit or even rush the process on your own, may you be reminded of this word that God's promises are yes and amen and that when God speaks a personal promise to your heart, he says it will come to pass. Habakkuk 2.22 says, write the vision, make it plain. He who runs may, who who reads it may run, but also he says that there is an appointed time for it. There's an appointed time for those promises that God has spoken in your heart and towards your life. So wait for it and keep doing what you know to do, making adjustments and improvements and and getting more clarity and wisdom along the process of it to be all that God has called you to be and walk in the fullness of it. I hope this helps you. I pray that you have a blessed day. We'll see you back on here again for another episode of Straight Talk with Hope. Remember, regardless of what you have lost, that there is hope. We'll see you back here next month on Straight Talk with Hope.